So this is the million dollar question. How can you see soft plaque? I get asked this every single day, basically on social media, like, well, they did a CC coronary and they did a CAC score and they did all this. I don't have plaque. No, you do have plaque. What you're talking about has nothing to do with actual plaque. Soft plaque can only be visualized in a couple of different ways. Two of them are incredibly and insanely invasive. So let me describe to you the atherogenicity and how it happens. So we're all on the same page and you know what I'm talking about when I say the words soft plaque. So imagine a PVC pipe. All right. PVC pipe. Let's say that's one of your coronary arteries. Now, obviously, a PVC pipe is humongous and we're talking about arteries where the lumen or the opening where the water flows or the blood flows is like two, well, sometimes one, all the way up to about four millimeters, maybe 4.5 at the most in size. So we're talking about very, very tiny little uh, blood vessels. But anyways, imagine a piece of PVC pipe. The water flows through the middle of it, right? Like the plumbing in your house. The water flows through the middle. That middle part is what we call the lumen. It's the open part that is otherwise empty. Uh, if there was no blood flowing through it, it would be completely empty. So that is the part that we are talking about when we say the lumen. The arterial wall is the white part of the PVC pipe. It's actually the pipe. So the arterial wall is that. The endothelium is that inner lining on the inside, that thin one cell layer on the inside part of the arterial wall. So the part that faces the water that's flowing through there, that first layer is called the endothelium. After that comes something called the intima. It's the very first layer of the inside of your arteries. Then we have muscularis and media and media, then muscularis and all kinds of other things. Um, arteries are a lot thicker than veins and different structurally because they have, you know, many more thicker and more muscular parts. They are a higher pressure system, which is why they are usually thicker and stronger. They have a diastolic function. They have elasticity. When the when they when the heart pumps out blood, the arteries sort of like pump open a little bit, almost like swell and open up a little. And then in diastole, when the heart pauses a little or is relaxing, they kind of contract back down, still pushing blood forward so that you still have forward flow, even though your heart is pausing in between beats. So just so we're on the same page, most of the techniques that we have today can only see the blood flowing through the lumen. So if I take that piece of PVC pipe and I inject dye into it instead of water, I put it under x-ray, I can see the dye flowing through the inside of the pipe, right? That is what a cardiac catheterization does. When I do a cardiac cath, I take you to the cath lab, I puncture your wrist or your femoral vein in your groin, we send catheters and wires up there, we get catheters, which are like long plastic tubes basically, we put them into your coronary arteries, inject dye, and then under live x-ray, which is called fluoro, imagine an x-ray that's like live, that's a video instead of a picture, live x-ray or fluoro, we can watch that dye travel down your arteries into the various parts. Now remember, you are seeing the inside of the arteries. You are not seeing the white part of the pipe. You are just seeing that empty space inside the pipe where the water flows, or the dye in this case is now flowing. That is what you see with coronary angiography and coronary CT angiography. We inject dye into your uh, forearm while you're in the CT scanner. We try to time it correctly so that by the time the dye is leaving your heart and entering your aorta and down your coronaries, that it would light up. Obviously, the timing has to be perfect. Your heart, your heart rate has to be slow. There's all kinds of things we do in the protocol to try to time it correctly. 
Sometimes we miss, uh, sometimes we don't. It's not that accurate, but it's okay. It's probably good enough. It's good enough, let's say, if somebody's having acute chest pain where they come into the emergency room and they say, ouch, my chest hurts, we can do something called a triple rule out, which is we can easily check for a pulmonary embolism with that dye. If you time it correctly, you could check when the dye flows into the lungs. And if you wait a little and it gets into the back to the left side of the heart and then shoots again into the aorta and coronaries, you can time it again and look at that. And that'll rule out an aortic dissection plus an acute coronary artery occlusion because like you'll see the LAD, the uh, left anterior descending artery going down the front part of your heart, which feeds a, a big portion of your heart it's called the widowmaker. You can see the blood flowing down that. And, it, and if it's occluded or completely blocked, you will see that the, the vessel will start going and then just stop as opposed to a, vessel, a fully intact vessel, which the dye would keep going. Now, these are beautifully reconstructed images that look pretty good. Again, though, you are only looking where the dye can flow. You cannot see the wall. You cannot see the white part of the PVC pipe. Again, in our example with the PVC pipe, you are looking inside the lumen. You cannot, however, see inside the white part. Now, atherosclerosis begins as obviously little LDL particles in the lumen, you know, flowing with the blood or, you know, the water in the case of a PVC pipe. And because of there's so many of them, the particle gradient, there's a particle gradient, they are flowing in and out of the arterial wall. That endothelial layer, they flow into the white part of the PVC pipe. Now, obviously, PVC pipe is very stiff and rigid and it's made out of plastic. But imagine this is made out of like soft tissue, like muscles and whatnot. Um, these little particles flow into there and these things are super tiny. They're like 18 to maybe 25 nanometers. They flow in and out pretty easily. When they go inside, they get retained by this thing called the glycocalyx or proteoglycans. They react with reactive oxygen species. Immune cells come in there. You know, T cells come in there to eliminate or clean up the mess and they can't. The uh, uh, LDL particles aggregate and get stuck together. And these these little T cells now, they're monocytes and they become macrophages and they take up the LDL particles and the cholesterol gets dumped in there and then they get all foamy and fatty and they become foam cells. And then those clump together. Now you have like this fatty streak and then a plaque and then you get this necrotic tissue and then you get a fibrous cap and it's soft and vulnerable and all of this. None of that has to encroach on the lumen. You can still inject dye, whether, whether it's with a CT scanner or a coronary angiography, and if it's not encroaching on the lumen, you can't see any of that. You can have tons of these soft, vulnerable plaques in the white part of the PVC pipe, you know, forming at the microscopic level, and you cannot see them because you are just injecting dye into the lumen, into the open part of the pipe. Nothing sees inside those white walls of the PVC pipe. Now, as time goes on, and these plaques develop and get worse and worse and eventually, you know, become thicker and bigger and more necrotic or even calcify, if they encroach on the lumen, then you will actually see it on a CT scan angio or a cardiac cath, you know, coronary angio. That is the only time you can see it. And just because you have a calcium score also does not mean it encroaches on the lumen. You can have calcium that does not encroach on the lumen. You can have soft plaque that encroaches on the lumen that does not have calcium. They are not mutually exclusive. They can both occur at the same time or both not occur together. So you can have a soft plaque, which may or may not encroach on the lumen, that doesn't have calcium. You may also have calcified plaque, like when we put people on statins, for example. 
when they convert these soft, vulnerable plaque that rupture and cause 80% of heart attacks and strokes, when they convert those to more calcified, stable plaques, those may or may not encroach on the lumen. And if they do, then a CT scan or a coronary angiogram would actually show it. So they could still be stuck inside the white part of the pipe um, without encroaching on the lumen, and you still wouldn't see it. Now, also, if they encroach on the lumen but just a little bit, you still won't see it. Coronary angiography, while it's fantastic and amazing, and the cameras and the pictures that we have now do a really, really good job with resolution, it's still not perfect. And you can have small little intraluminal irregularities, that's what we call them, intraluminal irregularities or luminal irregularities, that do not show up on coronary angiography. You know, you got to like pause it and look really closely and, you know, measure it maybe if you want to, but it's not that accurate. It's a very... Uh, coarse, or I don't know if that's the right word. It's a very uh, grossly, let's say, picture, you know, that is that is accurate enough to tell us if you need a stent or you have a massive blockage, 70% blockage or more, but definitely like the 5 to 10 percenters that you can barely see, probably not going to uh, be noticed. Same thing with coronary angiography. We inject dye. We're hoping we timed it correctly. There's enough flow. You know, there's there's enough resolution. Of course, the CT scanners are getting better and the coronary, you know, cardiac cath lab cameras are getting better. All of that. And I read all of these studies. I, you know, we do, I do this every day. This is literally my job. But the resolution is still not perfect. And if the timing is a little bit off, you can end up with funny lesions that don't actually exist. Plenty of times we had people with, you know, intraluminal irregularities on CT angio and are saying they have chest pain. We take them to the cath lab. And it doesn't match up. There's nothing there. Now, of course, it may also match up. Like, it just really, really depends. So those are the two ways where you can check for intraluminal irregularities or luminal irregularities. Now, how, do you, how can you see soft plaque inside the walls? There are two ways to do that that are pretty, pretty accurate. Um, there's a third way, which I'll talk about in a second here. But the two ways to do that that we currently have available to us that I can do in my cardiac cath lab every day is something called intravascular ultrasound. I take this catheter, whether I go through your leg or your wrist, I send up this little probe that sends a wire down your coronary artery. So this is incredibly invasive. I'm sending wires into your coronary arteries. I can dissect them. I can call, I can break off a piece of plaque. I can disrupt flow to those arteries. There's a lot of things that can go wrong, right? I can cause a, a stroke or a heart attack myself because I'm sticking things into your actual arteries. So I can stick this little probe down there and it has a, a little Doppler on it and it shoots ultrasound waves into the artery, spins really, really fast. And those waves bounce off the walls uh, of your artery and sometimes even go through them. You have to inject water while this is happening. There's all kinds of like technicalities, but it can be done you know, the machines have made it pretty automated now. You kind of just like set it and watch. But that is the only way you can really see plaque in the white part of the PVC pipe, the walls of the artery. It is also very crude. That's the word I was thinking of earlier. <laughs> it's very crude. The pictures are okay. They're not perfect. Um, it's enough to be able to tell if it's greater than a 70% lesion and needs a stent. That's what it was designed for. You do... Um, this intravascular ultrasound, you look at the pictures, you measure the inside and the outside compared to other segments, you compare them. If it's blocking over 70% of the artery, then they get a stent. Those pictures are okay. I mean, they're getting better. They're not, you know, uh, that pretty. Another 
way that we can do it that is also the same exact way, very invasive, sending wires down your coronaries through a cardiac cath in the cath lab is something called OCT. Uh, OCT is not ultrasound, it's optical. One thing I will one thing I will say about IVUS, the the ultrasound, is that if there's calcium there, the IVUS no longer works. It's like trying to see through bone. You cannot like when we do an echocardiogram of your heart through your rib cage and your sternum, if there's bone there, it's very difficult to see your heart. So same thing with IVUS. If there's calcium, which is basically bone, if there's calcium in your coronaries, we are not going to see past it. Now, there is this other method that I talked about called OCT. It's optical coherence tomography. This is almost like a light type of ray. The resolution on this is actually fantastic. This is probably, you know, 10 times better resolution than IVIS. The pictures on this are incredibly pretty and it actually can see past calcium. If you have a little bit of calcium in your arteries, this can see to the inside of the arterial wall past the calcium. Also incredibly invasive, but this probably generates the best pictures and gives us the best visualization of actual soft plaque or hard plaque even inside the arterial walls, inside of that white part of the PVC pipe. Now, just like IVIS, if there is soft plaque kind of on top of the calcium, it does make it a lot trickier to see inside. So again, it is not perfect, um, but it is better. But also, these two ways of checking for soft plaque in your arterial wall are insanely uh, invasive. You cannot take a bunch of young people like, hey, let's recruit a bunch of 18 to 30 year olds and be like, hey, we're going to check IVIS and OCT on your arteries and we'll check back with you every five years. No, that is insane. You could break off a soft plaque. It's incredibly invasive. You could cause a heart attack or stroke. Now, granted, we do millions of these a day all across the country, you know, the world even, but it is still with risk. You cannot take a bunch of young people and be like, we're just doing an experiment. You know, we're going to go inside your coronary arteries and, you know, maybe tear them up a little and see what happens. Because if you do that across thousands of people, you're bound to cause some really bad outcomes, some fatalities even. You know, there are people that go in for an elective cardiac cath that end up with fatalities. So these are a no-go. You cannot do a study. It will never be approved by any uh, review board, you know, ethics committee or anything, because it's just insane. You're doing something incredibly invasive for no reason. And it just makes no sense. There is a third modality, which can see soft plaque, but you just can't do it on your coronaries. It is called 3d vascular ultrasound. It is a 3d probe that you use on the outside of the person's body. Use it on your neck to look at your carotids. You can use it on your legs or like in your groin to look at your femoral arteries. While those are not your coronaries, you can't use it on coronaries because first of all, they're tiny and you're not going to see anything through the bones and rib cage and sternum. Um, but the femoral artery is, is very accessible and the carotid arteries are very accessible right there on your neck, under your jaw. And the, these 3D uh, vascular ultrasounds do allow you to see into those arteries in a way that can kind of represent and show soft plaque versus non non-soft plaque and what have you. However, you're not looking in coronaries. You are looking at surrogate markers. Now, this is actually uh, not a bad way to do it, but you are you are looking at things that may or may not be related to coronaries. Sure, what we can say, like for example, if it's if it's a an, an interventional trial, like like the one I just talked about, the pre-CAD trial, pre pre p r e c a d all caps. Look up pre-CAD trial. They looked at people's femorals and carotids. 
and they looked at overall plaque volume and then they did an intervention where they put them on statin therapy or lipid lowering therapy, whatever it was. Some people regressed a lot. So you can check regression and some people advanced people who are not treated that had high LDL cholesterol advanced their plaque got worse and they looked at it in six year increments. So you can use 3D ultrasound um, to look at surrogates for coronary vascular plaque, um, but you cannot use it, obviously, to actually look at coronaries because they're tiny, they're small, and they're deep inside um, your chest cavity, and this is just not going to reach it with any degree of resolution. Now, again, this is also not like incredible resolution, but based on the atheroma, the total plaque volume, the way the atheroma looks you can kind of get an idea of how much soft plaque this person has, or you can look at how much did it increase or decrease by, depending on what your intervention was. Did you try aspirin? Like, what did you do? Did you put them on statin? Aspirin's not going to make a difference, but like lipid-lowering therapy will absolutely make a difference. Now, I will point out that there are no imaging studies that have been tied to outcomes. There hasn't been a single study in all of cardiac imaging that has shown improved outcomes based on like study results. So if let's say, you know, we we had this carotid intima thickening, right? You look at the, you do an old kind of ultrasound, M mode uh, ultrasound. If you're, you know, an echo tech or somebody who understands ultrasound, you know what I'm talking about. But you do like this really, you know, older modality of ultrasound on the neck and you can look at the intima and how thick it is. And we're talking like microscopic amounts of a milliliter, millimeter. So it's not that easy to look at differences, but you can, and it kind of depends on where they put the, markers and how they're measuring it so it's not like perfect either but let's say you're looking at carotid intima medial thickening right and you put people on a statin or what have you and it decreases by 0.0001 right hundredths of a millisecond that's millimeter that's literally what we're looking at you could argue that the statin reducing LDL cholesterol down to 40 instead of 140 made a big difference over 18 months a year whatever it was right but that still did not translate into reducing cardiovascular event rates or mortality. Again, you're looking at a surrogate marker for coronaries. You're looking at carotids and femorals. You are not looking for actual coronaries because you just can't. So that would be another thing that needs to be pointed out is that none of these imaging studies thus far have actually shown changes in outcomes. Now, there was a recent study, I think it was actually published by the same guy, Budoff, um, they showed where if you have a calcium score greater than 300, it is as if you already had a heart attack. We have to be super aggressive with you and we must treat your cholesterol down to what we would if you already had a heart attack, which is generally under 70 or even under 55. You know, for some people, it just depends. So that is, I know it's a little bit long-winded, but I feel like this needs to be addressed because people are asking, well, how do you see soft plaque? Doesn't a coronary see soft plaque? And they go, Google doesn't. Does a CCTA show soft plaque? And it says, yes, look, this is what happens when you have people who are not experts in the field Googling nonsense. Yes, you're going to find random dumb stuff online that shows maybe you can see this, maybe you, can't, you can see that, but you don't have the nuance. You can only see soft plaque with any of these angiographic methods if it encroaches on the lumen. So yes, a CT coronary could show you that. A cardiac catheterization, coronary angiography, direct coronary angiography with me in the cath lab doing it, you can see it. Absolutely. If the soft plaque encroaches on the plaque, you can see it. The majority of soft plaque that we're talking about here that is subclinical, which is what these studies are looking at, is subclinical plaque is not going to show up. It's still in the white part of that PVC pipe. There is no way to see it, no matter how you do it. All of these imaging modalities that I talked to, other than OCT and intravascular ultrasound, IVIS, you're not going to see anything. 
And even with those, you'll see it not really perfectly, but you will, but it's incredibly invasive and dangerous. So I've talked about these trials. If you search my podcast for the lean mass hyperresponder one that I did a few weeks ago and the most recent one about the lean mass hyperresponders with the calcium and CCTA screenings, you'll find out quickly um, that you that that people are using this uh, modality um, or, or saying that, hey, well, how can you see soft plaque? Look, I Googled it and you can see soft plaque. No, you can't. I mean, you can with some nuance, like I explained, if it's encroaching on the lumen. But if it's not encroaching on the lumen, you're not going to see anything. So I hope this clarifies it. It's not an easy topic to discuss. Like, you know, on Twitter, people are expecting an answer in 140 characters. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I thought this would take five minutes to explain. I think it's already been 20 at least. Um, but share this with people who don't understand the concept of soft plaque and or are trying to understand it because I feel like it's just, just no one knows. I mean, if you're not a cardiologist and doing these things or you're not looking at IVIS and you're not looking at OCT and you're not looking at coronary angiog and uh, CT coronary angiograms yourself and CAC scores yourself and you don't know a lot of this stuff, it's very, very difficult to understand it. And then people say, well, what about these cardiologists on Twitter? They're like, the calcium score is everything. Look, there are different kinds of cardiologists. There are some that just sit, sit in a lab and do ultrasound all day especially in these big, huge academic centers. There are people that sit in a lab and read cardiac MRIs all day. There are people that sit in a lab and read coronary CTs all day. There are people that sit and, you know, do cardiac catheterizations all day. They don't always mix together. In my position and in my job as a private practice physician, I do a little bit of all these things. We do coronary angiograms. We do coronary CTs. We do IVIS when we need to. We don't use OCT a lot, um, but we've trained on it. We know what the pictures look like and, and I know how to do it. Like, it's not that hard. I, I don't do it that often because, you know, we, it's not, not a really huge role to play. There are so many fancy things that we have at our disposal that we don't use. There's FFR, there's IFR. I mean, there's a lot of things we could do in a coronary angiogram. But like, if you look at a guy who's a researcher, let's say at Harvard, and I'm just making this up, somebody's a researcher at Harvard, don't come after me. But if there's a guy that's like, coronary calcium score is the best thing ever, it shows us total plaque burden and all this. No, it really does not. It can show you calcified lesions and calcified volume and, you know, however you measure the agastin units, what have you. It cannot show you whether you have soft plaque or not. Same thing with this, what somebody says, well, I, I'm a radiologist. I read coronary angi angiograms, you know, CT scans all day. And you can definitely see soft plaque. No, you can't. If the dye misses or you time it incorrectly or it's not encroaching on the lumen, you're not seeing anything, my friend. I'm sorry, but that's not how it works. I've done cardiac cats on these people. I've read the CT angiograms myself. It's just not how it works. I mean, you can Google all you want and you know, plenty of people can Google things, but it's just not how it works. You need to have a full and complete understanding of atheros atherogenesis, atherosclerosis, how the different imaging modalities work or don't work so that you can actually understand this process. So as a final comment, how do we know you have soft plaque? Well, it's super easy. There is one way to know if you have soft plaque. Anybody with an LDL cholesterol, depending on the person, obviously this is a huge generalization, depending on your genetics, depending on how you eat, depending on your lifestyle, depending on what other risk factors you have, the more things you stack on top of each other, the one single way, and you can go back and search all of my podcasts for how do we know you have soft plaque or just search Dr. Allo soft plaque. The one single way that we know you have soft plaque is your LDL cholesterol. And the, the, the big generalization I was making, anybody 
with an LDL cholesterol above about 70, maybe 80 in some people, maybe 90 in others. But anybody above 70, you are probably laying down plaque and you probably have a lot of it, especially if it's been that high since you were a teenager. And how do we know this? Lots of trials on young, healthy people. The Cardia trial. Look it up. Search my lean mass hyperresponder uh, podcast that I did. Search search for soft plaque. The Cardia trial. The PISA trial. The pre-CAD trial now that I just described. All of these trials were done on young people with no calcium, lean, not obese, super healthy. In the Cardia trial, for example, the starting age was 18. The one single predictor of soft plaque as well as cardiovascular events was how high was their LDL cholesterol and how long was it high for? The higher their LDL cholesterol was, the sooner they had a first cardiac event. And we're talking about men who were 18 to 36 years old, very low obesity rates and otherwise incredibly healthy with no other risk factors. Uh, The PISA trial, P-E-S-A, pre-prevention of early subclinical atherosclerosis, same thing. It was in Spain. It was like seven, 8,000 people, something like that. Same story. People with a quote-unquote normal LDL cholesterol of 110, 45% of them have soft plaque all over their arterial beds and in multiple beds at once. As you went up to 130, it became 55 or 54%, maybe 58, something like that. As, as you got up to 150, it was now almost 70%. I think it was like 65 or 64%. So, and I've talked about these trials multiple times all over the place. The one single common denominator is high LDL cholesterol. And we know based on these huge trials that I've talked about and published over and over and over again, when your LDL cholesterol crosses the threshold of 5,000 milligram years, you have plaque and you will have early atherosclerosis. What is 5,000 milligram years? So let's say you take your LDL cholesterol multiplied by the years you've had it elevated. So if your LDL cholesterol has been 100 for 10 years, you have 1,000 milligram years. If it's been 500 for 10 years, you have 5,000 milligram years once, so so there's a lot of in between. If your LDL cholesterol has been, let's say, uh, 150 for 20 years, you know, you do the math, 150 times 20, you're looking at like 3,000 milligrams around there. So you're getting closer and closer to that 5,000. We know at about 5,000 is when you start manifesting atherosclerosis. But the closer to that you are, the more subclinical atherosclerosis you have. And all these trials that I talked about, the PISA, the Cardia, the uh, uh, PreCAD, All of them were looking at subclinical atherosclerosis. That means no amount of imaging will show luminal irregularities. There's no plaque inside the lumen. It is all inside the arterial wall, all of it. So this is a lot of noise and nonsense. And I'm really passionate about this because we need to do better. We need to prevent atherosclerosis at a much younger age. Uh, And we need to not let this go on and continue until people have, have actual irreversible disease. Once you have calcium, it's irreversible. So stop with the nonsense of, oh, my calcium score is zero or my calcium score is only seven. Seven is positive. That means you have some calcified plaque, but tons of uncalcified, soft, vulnerable plaque, the kind that actually does the death and destruction and the kind that will actually kill you. It is the soft plaque that ruptures and causes heart attacks and strokes. It is not the older, mature, calcified plaque. And I can't stress that enough because people think that they are okay because their calcium score is zero or their calcium score is really low. Once your calcium score is positive, you have crossed over into the threshold of you are full of full and full of plaque. So I hope this helps share this with people who you think need to hear it. Um, But I'm super passionate about this because I don't think people understand this. And even academic cardiologists that are in one single sub sub specialty, like a guy who just sits in the cath lab all day, doesn't understand the imaging. The guy who does 
radiology, like CT scans all day, doesn't understand angiography. Guy who does ultrasound all day doesn't understand catheterizations. The good news is that I do almost all of these things myself or have done them myself, at least at some point in time. Some of these technologies we don't use as often, like I mentioned earlier. But if you understand the entire process of atherogenesis from the basics of lipid metabolism and plaque formation to what happens later and how people end up with heart attacks and strokes, you will understand how and why this works. So I hope that helps. Share with other people. Give me some five-star reviews and leave some comments. I do discuss this in my community. You can go to dralo.net slash community, dralo.net slash community. We talk about all these podcasts all the time, and we have a weekly Zoom meeting that we do live, and we talk about uh, a lot of these topics. So if you want to join us, hop over to the community. I'll give you a cheat code. If you type in one month, M-O-N-T-H, one, the number one, then month, all caps, get the first month free, check it out, see if you like it, and then... Uh, We'll have some fun in there. All right. I look forward to seeing you. Take care. Share this with other people. Peace.